Hello, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast for all of us looking to bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts, and I'm here with our second episode of our current series all about navigating change and transition, which I am really loving so far. Today's episode is on a particular topic that really hits home for me because it is something I value tremendously and that I find incredibly difficult personally, which is taking some time to pause and go slow in the midst of a big transition instead of rushing through the discomfort to just try to get to the finish line. I love this as a concept, and in reality, I just want to get the discomfort and pain of transition over with as quickly as possible. My preference would be to just stand there with a map in my hands, clearly seeing where I have been and where I am going, Ideally, there's some monitoring of my success and I am just getting A pluses all the way through or at least doing as well as someone could in those circumstances. But to state the obvious, we don't get a map or a progress report when it comes to navigating life's changes. Instead, there is a lot of ambiguity, patience is required, And what we do know is that rushing to some imagined finish line or forcing a conclusion to something that needs to unfold in its own time, that that's not going to benefit anyone in the end. Thankfully, there are some time-tested strategies we can utilize in this process of pausing during a transition. So, Let's join Reverend Gretchen for some stories and some strategies to help us do the very hard work of not doing and of pausing instead. Like many ministers and teachers and parents, I have often employed the metaphor of the chrysalis and the butterfly to talk about the process of change. You know, that voracious, appetite-driven caterpillar who grows so much just to be able to go into hiding where there, once enveloped in total darkness, every cell of their being works together to devolve first into total goo and then to become, through imaginative rearranging and overwhelming commitment, no longer a slow-moving, fuzzy worm, but instead a beautiful, flying, delicate creature, the butterfly. I realized this week, however, there is a serious flaw in this metaphor, something no one ever talks about, which is despite its power as an image for the gifts of change, the butterfly metaphor really doesn't work because it turns out butterflies have no pain receptors. I discovered this because I was sure there would be lessons for us in how they manage a the pain of total cellular transformation. But it turns out there aren't lessons for them because for them it doesn't hurt, which does not apply to us. The word threshold describes the place that is not the place you were and not yet the place you will be. 
It is the place in between, both literally, as in kind of that, that doorway place, the threshold, and often metaphorically. In her book, Trusting Change, Karen Herring says that while we don't know for sure, some believe the word threshold comes from the word thresh, as in the process of separating the nourishing parts of the grain from the inedible chaff. This root of this word, thresh, offers us what might be a more fitting image than the pain-free transformation of the butterfly. Threshing is not, as she describes, a gentle plucking process. It requires significant effort and force. When done by hand, it is an intensive, laborious process. After that initial step of separation, threshing continues with a process of winnowing, where you sort the grain from the chaff using wind. Literally, you work to direct and amplify wind to lift the lighter chaff and blow it away. This is a practice that has historically been often done in community, where you would gather together muscle and air in an effort to recover the seeds that would feed the future. This image of threshing and winnowing reminds us that there is work to be done in the in-between work that can feed us and help us create what is not yet. That is, if we move through the threshold with intention and effort, separating what should be carried forward from the past because it will be nourishing and life-giving, and then what should be discarded because it only weighs us down. There is nothing easy implied in this work of thresholding, which is fitting because it is often filled with grief and hard work, which means that like the other sort of threshing, it helps to do it in community. All this to say, the next time someone tries to tell you to be like a butterfly and embrace change, you can let them know that your minister said that was ridiculous. We can't be butterflies, but we can be sowers of seeds that will create our future intentionally and bravely, where we let go, as Herring says, not only what we no longer need, but astonishingly and painfully, repeatedly loosen our grip on what we love most in order to make way for an emerging future. All of this reminds me of one of the closest relationships um, in my whole life. This one was in my young adulthood. He and I spent hours together, weeks and months at a time. We worked on projects together. We taught each other about life. We became more of ourselves through our relationship. But then one day he told me he wanted our relationship to be something else, something I understood it couldn't be. We tried hard to stay close after he he'd told me this, but after a while, I realized it was really too late. Our relationship had already changed and we were trying to act like it hadn't. Like we were still the same people we were before he'd told me. And it, it, I realized that it wasn't that our relationship needed to end, it had already ended. I tried to talk to him about this and to say that, that we, we needed to imagine a new phase of our relationship. 
he was eager. Who we were by then wasn't working for him either. But these efforts too were just awkward and painful. Eventually we realized that the only thing left for us was to let it all go and see if somewhere in the great unknown, something new might emerge. In the Jewish tradition, tonight marks the beginning of the Jewish High Holy Days, the celebration of Rosh Hashanah. This day is a celebration of what Jewish scholar Alan Liu refers to as, quote, the day the world burst into being out of nothing. A day that stands for both the event of creation and its continuous renewal. Every moment of our lives, the world bursts into being out of nothing, falls away, and then rises up again. Every moment, he says, we are renewed by a plunge into the void. Rosh Hashanah is a time where we recognize that, that new creations that are always possible, always possible at least when whole worlds also fall away. The world bursting out of nothing again and again possible, but not guaranteed possible if we can refuse to rush ourselves out of that void, out of the emptiness, if we can cultivate a holy patience, a holy pause to find ourselves fully at that threshold, the in-between, without rushing to be somewhere else certain and complete, without clawing at the air to get back to a past that we understood without rehearsing future tragedies too much. That's Elaine's focus next week, actually, the futures we think we are preparing for. If we can stay put in the horrible, glorious in-between, Rosh Hashanah reminds us that there we can discover the possibility of a new creation in us and in all of life. As Richard Rohr writes, we have to allow ourselves to be drawn out of business as usual and remain patiently on the threshold, where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone is the old world left behind, while we are not yet sure of the new existence. That's a good space where genuine newness can begin. Get there often, Richard Rohr says, and stay as long as you can by whatever means possible. It's the realm where God can best get at us because our false certitudes are finally out of the way. This is the sacred space where old worlds, the old world is able to fall apart and a bigger world is revealed. Herring calls this process of remaining on the threshold the practice of a transformative pause. As she says in her poem, spiritual teachers call this the gap between this and that. It's a gap that makes room for options. It is how patterns break open, how choice happens when we slow down and make room. 
Now, despite how logical all of this sounds and despite the beauty of Richard Rohr's encouragement to stay put in the in-between, remembering the image of threshing is hard. It's like staying in the goo, except with pain receptors. Thresholding sounds good until you're in it. Staying put in the in-between means getting a lot of input, but not yet acting or resolving discomfort, or moving to fix or problem solve. It requires fighting the human cycle of action-reaction, stimulus and response, and instead just receiving the action, the stimulus, and then just pausing. It reminds me of when my children were younger, toddlers or so, and they would get frustrated with something they were working on and throw a big fit screaming and crying. And my impulse, human impulse, is to go in and help. But the real possibility for change, for them to grow, is that for them to stay put in the goo with pain receptors and try to figure it out themselves. When we pause, we make room for that growth in ourselves and in the collective. We make room for self-reflection, meaning-making, and change. This is why Herring calls it the transformative pause. Now, there are basically three ways that I know of to help us practice the transformative pause, that is, staying in the goo while also having pain receptors. I'm going to just, just to help us remember, I'm going to call them the SSTs. <laughs> SST. These are three ways to stay put in the transformative pause. The first S is, as you might guess, spiritual practice. Karen Herring defines spiritual practice as a pause that allows us to be attentive in a way that deepens our relationship with the source of life and fosters a sense of belonging and a kinship that spans time and space and species. Those are her words. She says spiritual practices compel us toward a deeper relationship with others and ourselves. It doesn't need to be contemplative, she encourages, or even extensive, just deliberate. And it has to allow you to become more open to the change that's happening in you. We can pause, for example, at a stoplight. But that pause is not necessarily a pause that helps you be open to the change that's happening. Now, spiritual practices can be all sorts of things across and can be many things across your whole life. My current, my current daily um, spiritual practice is actually a nightly spiritual practice where I am um, committed to at least 10 minutes of yoga. Sometimes it becomes an hour, but somewhere between 10 minutes and 60 minutes of yoga every night before I go to bed. In the past, I've also practiced journaling, I've practiced centering prayer, practiced uh, intentionally reading poetry. Your spiritual practice can be many things and will likely be many different things over the course of your life. Now, if you are struggling to find a spiritual practice or you just aren't totally sure that what a spiritual practice is, or if you need a refresh on your spiritual practice, you're looking for something new, I hope you'll join us in either in person on October 4th or online on the 5th when we're hosting a conversation on finding your spiritual practice. 
having that daily spiritual practice helps build up our pause muscles in the small daily changes of life so that we can more readily pause when we face the bigger thresholds so that we can more fully discover and help shape the new creation. Okay, so that's the first S. The second S is Sabbath. Now, like spiritual practice, Sabbath can look all sorts of ways. It doesn't just mean resting on Sundays. It, it just means you are interrupting deliberately the push to fit more and more in. And instead, you are deliberately taking a break. A break might mean for you literally napping. Or it might mean simply doing nothing. Or... It might mean still moving, but in a way that interrupts whatever rush is usually pushing upon your life. It is a way of acknowledging that the world continues on without your effort, that there are partners beyond your own, your own will. And it's making space to notice and pay attention to those partners. It might also mean setting aside time once a week to gather in community, a community of all ages, say, where we are all turning our attention to those things which matter most. Something like this. One of my favorite ways to think about Sunday worship is as a pause that interrupts what Kathleen McTeague calls that headlong tumble into the next moment until we claim for ourselves, as she says, awareness and gratitude. Setting aside time every week for gatherings like this, it is inconvenient and disruptive. And that's part of the point. It is an intentional inefficiency that connects us back with being instead of only doing, which helps us pay attention to those greater rhythms at work in our life, the people who are present in the threshold with us. Which brings us to the third way that I know of to practice that transformative pause, the T. We've had S, spiritual practice, S, Sabbath. Now T, T is what Karen Herring calls thresholding with others as in finding those people who will intentionally move through change and stay put in the goo with you and help you hold that discomfort and pain. People who will intentionally and deliberately share in conversation with you in and around the changes of life. Conversation, Herring reminds us, is a word that at its root means, quote, the act of living with or to turn about with conversation. Through shared and intentional conversation, we can be heard into speech, heard into our own story, and hear each other into our changes individually and collectively. Being heard and hearing others in our stories of change helps our changes integrate and become more fully a part of our own self-understanding. Now, starting in October, you can join in conversations with fellow thresholders in a special version we're offering of our journey groups. They will be focused on Karen Herring's beautiful and brilliant work, including this idea of practicing a transformative pause. 
You can go to our series page, foothillsuu.org forward slash life changing to get connected to these special journey groups. And it's also where you can find more information and sign up for those spiritual practice conversations as well. It is not easy to stay put in the threshold long enough for transformation to happen, which is why we need things like the S, S, and T, spiritual practice, Sabbath, and thresholding with others. We need these things threaded into our daily lives. Now, it has been 20 years now since my dear friend and I decided to let go and to live in the uncertainty of the great unknown. In some ways, it's hard to admit that we never found our way back to each other, back to relationship, because it was a real loss that in a lot of ways I really wish could have been different. There were many days where I wanted to call him and tell him we were wrong, that we could figure it out, but I didn't. And I am so grateful I didn't. Because what happened when I gave in to that great unknown space is that I was better able to see the changes that were already taking place in me. And I could let them grow in ways that I wouldn't have if I'd tried to keep us connected. The gift I realize with time and distance is that the ways I have grown as a result of letting that relationship go, make me today a better friend, a better partner, and a better minister. In this time of year with the turning of the season and the cycles of the Jewish high holy days, we are reminded of the gifts of the threshold space. Every day, we have the chance to more fully let go and step out into that place where, as Richard Rohr says, God can best get at us because our false certitudes are finally out of the way. Every day and every moment we are invited to become the person we are called to be, to help create the life of greater love and freedom for all. And every moment we can be together in this journey, in the great and uncertain unknown, where we can shape and become, in community, a new creation. May it be so, and amen. Thank you, Gretchen, for sharing your wisdom with us. Friends, as this time together wraps up and we prepare to re-enter our lives with a renewed appreciation for the value of pausing when we are in the swirl of transition, I leave you with these words from poet Wendell Berry. When we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And when we no longer know which way to go, we have come to our real journey. If you are feeling caught in between, rejoice and try to stay a little longer. Make space for grace and bewilderment and conversation. Here, let us create together a new world. I'm so grateful that you made time to join us for this week's episode of the Foothills Deeper Pod. 
If you have a moment, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. With every review, it helps make us easier to discover and helps get the word out to other folks. Please send a link to anyone in your life you think would resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here. Spread the word. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It was a pleasure to be with you. Take care. the world.